Well, this morning we're going to talk about God. You know, what's, what's the saying? Have you heard this one? If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And you know, that's absolutely true about TV commercials. But especially that one about the gold buffalo nickel. But, uh, but it's not true about God. Amen. And this morning what we're going to talk about is that God is the truth. We've been talking about characteristics, God's character qualities. And uh, today, today we're going to talk about the truth. And, um, you know, because truth is God's identity. He is the truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Revelation 19, verse 11, talking about the time that Jesus returns, it says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him, who is that? Who was sitting on the horse? Jesus was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. You know, so that's who God is. He is the truth. Amen? Amen. And God, God has, he cares about the truth in our lives. And a way to prove it is that he has given us the Holy Spirit whom Jesus called the Spirit of Truth. In John 16, 12, and 13, I think I use this passage a lot when I preach, but it's an awesome, it's an awesome word. Jesus said to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of Truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. How much truth? All. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an amazing statement? That's the promise from Jesus. That it, he was not just talking to his disciples, he was talking to all, us as well, all believers. That he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. How many of you have situations where you need to know the truth about something? <laughs> all the time, constantly, not just every day, but all the time. And this is a promise that if you are a believer, Jesus has promised to give you the Holy Spirit who lives in you and that he will guide you, he will speak to you, communicate to you the truth, all truth. So, you know, there's... I think there are two questions we should be asking ourselves every day. And the first one is, what is God saying? Every situation we come into, we should ask, what is God saying? Actually, we should say, God, what are you saying? Because how many of you know, he is with you. The Holy Spirit is in you and with you as a believer. And so you need, we need to ask him, God, what are you saying in this situation? What are you saying about this problem? What are you saying about this person? What are you saying about how I'm feeling? And, uh, and the other question, I think, is what has he said? Amen. 
because the truth does not change. And what he has, he has given us his word. Um, his word is truth. His word sets us apart for him and makes us holy. Jesus said in John 17, 17, he was praying for his disciples. And he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so he has, he has given us his word. He has given us his Holy Spirit that we might walk in the truth all the time because he is the truth. And for us to walk in the truth is extremely important. It's vital for our lives. Um, you know that that verse, "Your word is truth." It brings when I hear it, it makes me think of a song. I can't remember if it was sixth grade or seventh grade. I went to a Lutheran school, and we had a very godly principal, and and uh, he established a theme for every year. And one year, there was this song, "Your Thy word is truth." Uh, and they talked about it in the beginning chapel and ev all through the year that he drove this point into us. Thy word is truth. We sang this song. I don't know, he might have written a song. I'm not sure. Thy word is truth. I don't remember any other lines of it, but you know what sticks in my head though when I hear that? I, in my head, I hear a voice of my classmate or classmates mocking that song. Which is, we, you know, sometimes when we were in junior high, I, I have some of my most embarrassing, regretful moments from, from junior high, things that I uh, regret and I'm ashamed to remember that, that I did. But, you know, when we're, we're young, impressionable, and I, I was impressed by the wrong people sometimes. And I'd, but just to think, why, why would kids mock a song like that, Thy Word is Truth? And I think it's because we have an enemy who hates the truth. And, and so if he can stick his finger in there and say, hey, mock that song, uh, I think that's why it happened. But um, truth is extremely important to God. Um, you know, truth is, when we want to find God's will, we're talking about truth, right? And God's will for us, his children, is to prosper and to rule the earth with his delegated authority. Now, last week, Tom Kreuter preached about the sovereignty of God. And, uh, you know, one thing he said is that some people think that the sovereignty of God is like he is a puppet master and he's got strings controlling everything we do. And that's just, and Tom said, that's not the case. Not everything that happens in this world is the will of God. He doesn't control everything because he gives us freedom. He gives us choices um, to, to follow him. And in his sovereignty, the way he designed the earth was to uh, give us, to delegate to us authority. And in... Um, Genesis 1.28, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. What did he do? He blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. That's why fishing's okay and over the birds of the air 
over every living thing that moves on the earth. Do you see that he gave us authority in the earth? That he, he's delegating. And that's part of the freedom he gave us. Why? Because we are, he made us to be his children, right? And so in his sovereignty, he is the boss, no doubt about it. He's the father. But he, he delegated some of that authority to us on the earth. And so, um, you know, there's a devil. And his strategy has always been to deceive. His strategy to separate us from God, you know, God made us for a relationship with him. And God's, and, the, and so the devil, the devil doesn't have power over human beings. God gave authority to man and woman. But the devil's strategy has always been deception to separate us from God, to cause us not to believe and walk in the truth. Deception is the only way the devil could gain control of us. Because God, in his sovereignty, gave authority to mankind. All sin results from a departure from the truth. Would you agree? Yes. All sin. Think about it. All sin, when we're tempted to sin, we are tempted to doubt that what God's law is, is best for us. One way or another. Um, all sin comes from a deception. Maybe it's just like, oh, God won't care. He doesn't mind. Or maybe it's a deception that... The Bible doesn't say this is wrong when it does. Or um, some, some kind of deception. And another thing that's true is all sin causes destruction in our lives. I'm not saying all sin uh, that, that, that we're totally destroyed, but every, all sin is destructive in one way or another. Small way, big way. It's destructive to relationships. It's destructive to our can be destructive to our bodies, it's destructive to our souls. Yeah. All sin is destructive in some way. Um, it can be destructive to the God-ordained plans and purposes of our lives. And uh, so Satan's deception started with that lie in the garden that tempted us to question God's truth. And it continues that way today. In Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? That's the, that's the key words there. Did God really say? Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the, of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Did she get the right answer? Yeah. Yeah, she... See, see, see he asked kind of a twisted question, and she said, no, no, she corrected him, right? Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So do you see what God, the devil did? He challenged the truth. Challenged God's truth. 
Uh, and he took a, there's, the, there's a little bit of truth in what he said, but it's very twisted, right? Takes a little truth and twists it. You know, Jesus spoke about the devil's deception as well as the destruction and separation from God that it has caused us. Um, in John chapter 8, he's talking to uh, people in the temple. He's talking to Jews in the temple. And he says, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Why are they not of God? God made all of us to be his children. Why are they not of God? Because they've been deceived, because they've bought into the devil's lies. And when they did that, they, their father became the, the devil. And see, the, how destructive is the, lack, the going against the truth? How destructive is deception? But of course, there's good news. And the good news is that Jesus came, that he died on the cross, and that he rose again in order to set us free from the bondage to sin, death, and the power of the devil that our departure from the truth caused, right? In the same chapter, a little bit earlier, John chapter 8, starting at verse 31, Jesus said this. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, now what is his word? The truth. Your word is truth, he said. You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's not just a good motivational speech. Right? That's the truth is what sets us free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Deception. <laughs> what are they slaves to? Sin. Slaves to sin, yeah. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Who's the son? Just to be clear, Jesus is the son, and he's the one who has made us free. When he paid the price on the cross, he did it for everyone. Everyone who has ever lived, Adam and Eve and everybody that's come after that and everybody who will come, those are the ones that Jesus paid the price to set free from sin. 
So it's a matter of believing and receiving it, right? And that's where the truth is so important because it depends on, it's received by faith that Jesus has made us free. Praise the Lord. As believers in Jesus, we've been restored to relationship with our loving Father God and we've been empowered once again to walk in truth with him and in his blessing and his purposes for us. Because remember, God blessed us. His purpose for us is blessing. His purpose is for us to be successful in the plans and purposes that he made us for. Amen? Do you agree? That is the will of God. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, um, he commissioned his disciples, including us. And you know what he said, probably? Matthew 28, starting at verse 18. He was ready to go back up into heaven. Jesus came and spoke to them, his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Again, that's echoing what he said in Genesis, right? What, what God said in Genesis. Uh, except he's saying it came, it's been given to him, Jesus. Well, where did it go? I thought God was sovereign. Where did the authority go? What's he talking about? God never lost his authority, right? We lost the authority that he delegated on earth. That when Adam and Eve sinned and we followed suit, or we followed genetically, or whatever, we inherited, um, we, we had lost that authority to the devil. So why does Jesus say, all authority now has been given to me? Because when he died and rose again, he took that, he recaptured that delegated authority. He recaptured it from the enemy. And now he's, I believe in this passage, he's saying, all that authority has been given back to me. I've purchased it back with, by what I did for you. Because remember, Jesus is true God. He's also true man. And as true man, he won it back. And now he's commissioning us, go. Go in our own authority? No, go in the authority that he's just captured back. And by the way, let's try not to give it back up to the devil again. <laughs> How do we do that? By walking in the truth. By not being deceived into what, he is, what the devil would try to deceive us in to take away our authority and to limit and cause destruction in our lives and limitation in God's purpose for our lives. So to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Who Go who? Who goes? Yeah, that's an imperative sentence. I teach diagramming of sentences to my fourth graders, fifth graders, and sixth graders. Right, Hannah? And that's the understood you is the subject there, right? You go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Why is the teaching of all things uh, necessary? Because that's the truth. Amen. And so we can't just, if we tell people about the Lord and get them saved, we need to teach them the truth. That's why making disciples is necessary. 
And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. He got all the authority, therefore he tells you and me, go and use it. Walk in it and don't uh, be deceived out of it again. But, easier, maybe easier said than done, right? Because we live as believers in a world full of lies. Do you agree? Once again, the devil can only steal our authority by getting us to doubt or deny the truth of God's word. Listen to these words that the Apostle John wrote that echo the heart of God for his saints. This is in 3 John. Uh, there's only one chapter, verses 1 to 4. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. What's the will of God? That you prosper. And sometimes our idea of prospering is, could be a little selfish. We don't want to get confused with selfishness and prospering. But definitely prospering means being successful in what God wants you to do. Prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. All those things are the will of God, I think. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Now listen to this verse. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I've heard my mom say that this is one of her favorite verses. And she applies it to us, her, 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 myself and my three siblings. You know, and, and if you are a parent, a Christian parent, then you uh, feel the same way. I, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, but with John, he's the elder. He's not just talking about his physical children, but his spiritual children. And, and he is echoing the heart of God. I believe God would say he has no greater joy than to see and know that his children are walking in the truth. That's the heart of God for you and for me. Jesus made the truth of his promises toward us, his purposes toward us, very clear to us. The devil gives what is bad. God gives what is good. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Do you see why God is so excited that we walk in the truth? It's because of what the truth is. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us. He is for you, not against you. Jesus finished his work on the cross so that you and I could be free from sin and all of the consequences of sin. He, he is passionate about the truth because of the truth is he's our good father and he loves us. But still, we live in a world full of false philosophies, full of temptations to sin, 
full of uh, experiences. How about this? Experiences that seem to go against what God's truth says. Maybe what the Holy Spirit has told you, or maybe what you've read in the Bible, promises that you've read in the Bible that are for you, and yet our experience seems to go against it. Um, recently I heard a minister named Dan Moeller uh, describe the problem this way. He said this, Some of us are still trying to find the will of God through life, and we're finding the will of God through the way things happen and unfold. In other words, our experience, what's going on in our lives. It's the biggest mistake, in my opinion, the church has made concerning God's will in healing is to find God as we go, to define God as we go, to take our outcome, in other words, our experience, what we've seen, and determine God's will through our outcome. When God's will is really determined through the life of Jesus and what was already revealed through his word. The biggest mistake I believe the church has made is we keep writing the book on God based on how life is and isn't going. Now there already is a book on God. It's called the Bible, right? And his word is truth. Have you been tempted? I know I've been tempted. Your experience says one thing and it doesn't feel like it agrees with what the Bible has said. Or, or it doesn't feel like it agrees with what the Holy Spirit has told you. And uh, the question is, which one will we believe? Remember Satan's infamous line, did God really say, Right? As God indeed said, but as believers in Christ, we must go by what we know God has said to us through his written word, the Bible, and through the Holy Spirit whom he's put in us. Remember, he's called the Spirit of Truth. Jesus said he would guide us into all truth speaking to us what he hears from Jesus and the Father. So, who will you believe the next time you think and feel some of these thoughts and ideas? Let me, I apologize, it may sound like I'm meddling, but these are, these are things I think that are common to all of us, some of these. And, and this is not an all-inclusive question, but um, some of the, some major types of things where we are challenged on are we going to believe the truth? Are we going to believe what God said? Or are we going to believe what uh, other sources around us that are not God's truth say? Um, are we going to believe our experience? Are we going to believe temptations? Here's one. Lots of Christians watch those shows or movies or play those games. They're okay. Or apply it to whatever, books, uh, movies, entertainment. Uh, what does God say about it? What would Jesus say? Uh, remember that question. What is God saying about this one? How about this, another one? That's common in our society, so it's not wrong. 
because most people are doing it, it must be okay, right? Even a lot of Christians are doing it, it must be okay, right? Uh, not necessarily. How about this one? God won't care if I do that. He knows I'm human. Satan twisted truth, right? To say God won't forgive me for that or Jesus' death on the cross doesn't apply to that. Okay, that's true. I mean, Jesus, God, God does forgive us is what I'm saying. Uh, but to say that God doesn't care about sin, he doesn't care if I sin, that's a big lie. That's a very big lie. Why? Because sin is destructive to us. It's destructive to his purposes in our lives. Yes, we can move on. We can make the best of the situation. He can heal. Uh, he can redeem. Uh, but don't, we shouldn't say that God won't care. How about this one? I can't help my temper. I inherited it from my dad or my mom or my uncle. I don't know. Or from the TV. I don't know. What, the problem is I can't help it. Well, no, I think Jesus died on the cross to help it. Amen? He didn't, he, he didn't die on the cross just to give us a free ticket to heaven. He died on the cross and rose again to redeem us as sons and daughters who are like him and who do what he, his purposes in the world. How about this one? I can't do that because I feel afraid. Okay, we're not denying the truth that you feel afraid or that I feel afraid. That happens a lot to me. Okay, but the fact that I can't do it then? No, just do it. He, why? Because he is with me. I've prayed for healing for years and I'm still not well. It's just God's will for me to be sick. Now, there are things about healing that we don't understand and things I understand that but what we're saying is don't make a theology a teaching about God based on your experience that's a bad idea Jesus went about and healed everybody that asked him and there are lots of passages that are promises about healing in the Bible um, I'm not trying to be unfeeling to anyone who's sick but Jesus said we should always pray and not give up. That's what Jesus said, right? That's the truth. How about this one? The prophecies that God was calling me into, that, that God was calling into me into that kind of ministry seemed so clear and real. But it's been 10 years and I see no open doors in sight. Should I give up on them? No. Some things take time. Maybe other things blocked away. I don't know. But if you know that God said it, then don't give up on the word that he gave you. We, uh, God prophesied that I we would go to China, and it took uh, nine years before we got there. But it happened. I know, here's one for young people. Maybe for old people, I don't know. I, I know I should marry someone who's a strong believer, but I don't even know any eligible people like that. I know Xin Qing, this was 
This is a problem for a lot of Chinese believers. You say, I don't even know, I don't know many believers. And here's the, here's the thing. This, this person is pretty nice and likes me. That won't be a problem, right? If they're not a believer or if they're not a strong believer? Uh, no. For what I say, is, it only takes one for one thing. But God is involved. And, you know, there are plenty of, plenty of people, plenty, you know, pe even people here, we feel like it, it has been a problem. Now, the other lie would be, okay, I've gotten myself in a bad situation. God can't get me out of it. God can't redeem it. That's another lie, right? But God is also saying, hey, let me help you not get into a bad situation. Let me help you avoid trouble. Um, how about this one? I've gone too far. God won't forgive me. Really? Where does it say that in the Bible? Which, which sin in the Bible did it say God won't forgive you? Uh, here's the answer to that question. Then why did Jesus pay the highest price possible for you? Why did he give his blood? There's nothing more valuable in the world. No price higher that he could have paid to redeem you? Why would he pay the highest price and then say, no, I don't think I'll apply it to you and your sin? No, that's not the truth. A similar one, but directed in a different direction. I can't forgive that person. They hurt me too much. All right, well, Jesus paid the price already. His blood wasn't enough. He forgave me. I can, I can forgive. Uh, he made me a child to be like him, and he's a forgiving God. And so I'm, I can be a forgiving person. It doesn't matter how deep the hurt is. It can be forgiven, and it can be healed. Amen. The blood of Jesus is powerful enough and valuable enough. Another one, a different kind. That person won't want to hear the gospel. He won't respond to it. No, that person needs the gospel and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Revival won't come to this nation. Things have gotten too bad. Is anything too hard for God? What's that? <laughs> yeah. Revi uh, I keep praying for that loved one but they don't change. Breakthrough will never come. Well, you see, what, uh, the devil's lies uh, manifest a lot of times in fear and, and a lot of times in discouragement. And so if he can give us to, get us to give up on believing, you know, and our actions follow our beliefs, right? If he can get us to give up on that, he's won. He's won that battle. And, uh, but no, the truth is, Hang on and keep on praying. Yeah, that person has, uh, has a kind of sovereignty that God has given them, a choice. But, uh, but uh, God, God's will is for them to be saved. If your will and my will, praying for them, is for their salvation and their well-being, then at least we outnumber them in, in the votes, right? Um, and if we pray, God is moving, moving in their heart. The Holy Spirit moves in their hearts. 
All right, I have one last one written down here, and it might sound familiar. This congregation is too small. Those old prophecies will never come to pass. God must have taken his plans and moved on to somewhere else. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, look, when Satan lies, he often takes a bit of truth and twists it. And each of those things, there's a bit of truth in there, but it, 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 there's something wrong with it that makes it wrong. And, um, you know, in the Bible, God's truth for us contains bad news and good news. Uh, other way, otherwise, we call them the law and the gospel. <laughs> the law shows us God's standard and leads us to repentance, showing us our need for a savior. The gospel is the good news that brings us forgiveness, faith, and the power to obey God, the power to be like God, to do, be like Jesus. Both of these kinds of truth must be embraced to be a child of God. They must be embraced in the right way, though. And John calls this walking in the light. In 1 John chapter 1, you might notice a lot of these verses about truth were written down by John. Uh, this guy appreciated the truth. 1 John 1, verses 5 to 10. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In other words, we have fellowship with God. God and we are in good relationship. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Notice the word all there. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. How can he be just to forgive us our sins? Because Jesus already paid the price for those sins. No other price must be paid. It was enough. The work of Jesus Christ for the redemption of your life and any other person's life is already finished. The work is already finished. It just must be received and believed. Amen. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Oh, sorry, he's the truth. He's not a liar, right? And his word is not in us. So walking in the light, being open and true before God. You know, when, we, when the truth of the law hits us, we respond in the right way. I repent. I'm sorry, I was wrong. And receive, I need the Savior, Jesus, thank you that you paid the price, that you gave your life to redeem me, to heal me, to forgive me, to deliver me out of my sin and consequences that go with it. Uh, he brings us into his will. He wants us to be deeply rooted in his word. 
which is the truth. And he wants us to be led by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Uh, in my quiet time, I often journal and listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks. And if you have not been, if you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, it is something God has for all believers. It doesn't necessarily, God doesn't necessarily baptize with you with the Holy Spirit the moment that you believe, though. Often in the Bible, it's a separate experience. And so I think uh, in a few minutes after we're finished here, or as we worship, if you have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you feel like, I never hear the Spirit's voice, He doesn't speak to me, uh, that I or someone else, maybe one of the elders or someone else in the congregation, ask them to pray for you, and we will give you an opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a way uh, where he can download all that truth to you moment by moment, day by day. Um, that's an important thing. It doesn't necessarily come automatically. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit is in you, yes. But, uh, but Jesus promised his disciples after the, they believed in him and were saved, he promised that I'm going, wait in Jerusalem because I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with power. And so there's another dimension of relationship with the Holy Spirit uh, that God wants all of us believers to have. Um, well, anyway, the Holy Spirit speaks, and this is one thing I felt he spoke to me a, a few weeks ago. And this is what I wrote down. This is my will for you to prosper. Be firmly rooted and richly watered by my word, the truth, and by my spirit, who is the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth, and you will prosper. Do not root yourself into worldliness, full of false philosophies and harnessed to selfish, sinful lies that destroy the very hearts and souls of men. Have nothing to do with them. Abide in me and let my words abide in you, and you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Abide in me. Stay with me. Walk with me. I love you and will answer your prayers and will manifest myself to you. That's what I feel like the Lord was saying to me uh, by, the, by the Holy Spirit, which agrees, by the way, with what he says in the Bible. He will never disagree. The Holy Spirit will never say anything that disagrees with what God says in the Bible because it's the same Spirit and the same God speaking both. God is the truth, and it's his will to bless us. Uh, in Psalm, Psalm 1, and those, those blessings come as we walk in the truth. Psalm 1 uh, is, a, is a wonderful psalm. In the first few verses, I've often prayed over my children. Um, but it's, it's, it's a prayer we should pray for one another. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. I think some translations uh, can interchange that with the word of the Lord, the truth. 
His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What do we meditate on day and night? Are we meditating on his truth? He shall be, and now the result of this, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season. That sounds like prospering to me. That sounds like being successful to bring forth fruit in season. There are seasons for fruit. That's the truth too, right? There are seasons where you're waiting for the fruit to ripen. And his leaf shall not wither. In other words, your, your soul is going to be healthy and uh, hopefully your body too. And whatever he does shall prosper. So right now, let's, let's just pray and, um, and just recommit to God asking him to guide us into truth. And I think right now, I don't know, is there anybody here who would like uh, somebody to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we've got we've all got the Bible the Word of God and we should meditate on that read that internalize that that's the truth but there is also the spirit of truth and he lives in you as a believer but he wants to communicate with you each day and if you've never asked him to baptize you with the Holy Spirit that is something that you want for your life and uh, there are different ways that it happens to people, but one common way is to ask another believer to lay hands on you and uh, pray for you to receive that. Jesus said, if you ask and you believe, you will receive his spirit. Right? Because Jesus said, uh, if you are, uh, who of you who has a father, a human father, if you ask him for bread, he'll give you a stone. Or if you ask him for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Uh, or if you ask for an egg, we'll, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you human fathers are evil, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's a big promise there, right? If you, if you ask and... Uh, if you ask for the Holy Spirit and believe that he's, God is giving him to you, you, you will receive, receive him. So Father, today we, uh, we praise you and we thank you for your truth. And the truth is you are good. The truth is you love us. The truth is Jesus came and paid the price and finished the work on the cross for me and for each person, each of us here and for each person in the world. And so, Lord, this morning we come to you and, and first we repent because I know each of us knows uh, ways, maybe big, maybe small, where we have believed lies, where we've been deceived, where we've bought into something that is not true about you that is not true from your word and your truth and it's caused problems in our lives it's limited us Lord we repent for our sins we repent for 
lies that we've believed. And we pray that you will come and fill them with your truth, that you will renew our minds and fill our hearts with your truth, that we would be deeply rooted, Lord. I pray that you would come bring redemption to any areas that have been stolen away from us because of lies that we've believed. Because you are the Redeemer. Because you are a good Father. Good fathers have the ability to make things right. Have the ability to come and rescue their children. And you, your heart, God, is to rescue. Your heart is to redeem. We see that in your word. And we ask that you fill us with your spirit of truth. That we would hear your voice. That each day we would ask, what is God saying? God, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, what are you saying about me? What are you saying about this person? What are you saying about our situation? And that you would guide us into all truth. And that you, by grace, we would walk in your truth. We thank you for our salvation, but we pray that every area of our life would be under your truth. Areas that seem big, areas that seem small, that they would be in your truth. That we would walk in your truth. We thank you for your heart for us, God. Your heart of love, in Jesus' name. Amen. And I would just say, as we start worshiping, if there's anybody who, if you would like somebody, especially to pray for the, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you would, you can come tap me on the shoulder or, uh, or talk to a, another person here and say, hey, could you tell, pray for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, that I might hear God's voice uh, clearly. Um, if, you, if you have never done that, um, take, take the opportunity to do that today.